0: And you just thank the Lord every morning when you open your eyes and you get up and you have another day, another adventure awaits. Amen. Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us to come just before you, Lord, and just want to thank you for the life that we have. Lord, we pray that we can just examine ourselves now and determine exactly where we are In our relationship with you. In our service for you. In the way we speak to and reach other people. Lord, we pray that you'll touch our minds and our hearts with your message as to what we should be doing each day. We thank you for those opportunities of ministry. Lord, we pray that we never miss those. Because we're preoccupied with something that takes our attention or focus away from you. Help us to see everything that you are involved in, which is everything, and see it for what it is. We may not have all of the answers at any given moment as far as what is going on, but we are confident that you are still in our midst and that you ask us to be patient And you ask us to just wait on you for those answers. But still you call us just to go. And serve you. And we thank you for those opportunities once again. We pray that you'll bless this group. Bless those who are seeking what you have to say. That the word is powerful to them. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. The mission of Nike Incorporated, a renowned international athletic shoe and apparel company. You all know who Nike is. I don't have to tell you that. Most of us wear Nike all the time. Their mission as a company is to bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete in the world. That's their mission. And they quickly add, if you have a body, you are an athlete. That's right, Amen. Amen. So whatever body you've got, you're an athlete. That's right. Now, some of you may question that. Well, we won't dwell on that. I'm just telling you that's their mission. Amen. Amen. Nike started from humble beginnings, where employees were selling shoes out of the trunk of their cars to become the world's leader with global revenues of over 27 billion dollars. 27 billion dollars. The name Nike originates from the Greek goddess of the same name, which stands for victory. It's been around for over 40 years, which kind of surprised me. That's a long time. And over that time, it has defined and redefined the sports fitness industry, but not without its own missteps. The company, at one point, misjudged the popularity of the aerobics and fitness movement in the mid-1980s, and it veered off into the casual shoe market. Its growth also outpaced its management and effective decision-making skills, and it had slipped from its position in the mid-80s as the top-selling shoe. To reverse this trend, Nike hired an ad agency, Whedon & Kelly, was a well-known agency at the time, and they came up with one of the top slogans of the 20th century. Anybody know what that is? Just do it! Just do it! That debuted with the company in 1988. The words, just do it, propelled Nike's popularity to its top position in the industry. Three years after the debut of Just Do It, the company had tripled its revenue to over $3 billion at the time and has not looked back ever since. Just Do It may be a catchy slogan and a slogan with staying power, but it readily acknowledged as the language of today's lifestyle that inspires people. To get up and move. Get up and move. Get up and do it. It is associated with good health, getting and staying in shape. Amen? Getting in shape and staying in shape. And remaining active in all parts of life. Guess what? This also has application Within our faith. Amen. Amen. Consider the words. Just do it. For Jesus Christ. And reflecting a healthy relationship in service for him. James expresses this very clearly as he addressed believers in Christ with the importance of a working faith. So turn with me, please, to James chapter two. We're going to take a look at. Verses 14 through 17. Look at James chapter 2. A working faith. You've heard the old phrase about talk being cheap. Talk is cheap. Talk really only goes so far when it comes to your faith. People need to see your faith in action. James says it very well here. Look what it says in verse 14 of James chapter 2. What good is it, my brothers? I'm reading from the English Standard Version. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the need, things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. You know, why would you tell somebody who you know is hungry or needs a drink, go and take care of it where you've got the food sitting right next to you or you've got a cup of cold water that you can give them. Where is your faith being demonstrated by that? A servant of Jesus Christ absolutely needs to live under the premise of just do it in order to live as Christ provided his life as an example for us. Absolutely need to do it. We are to live as servants of Christ in a world where servanthood, frankly, is more of the exception rather than the rule. We as believers talk a real good game. We're really talking trash. Because we're not living in such a way where we're demonstrating our faith in Christ. That's why I said this is a message about searching your heart and searching your soul. You say you follow Christ. Do you really live for Christ? I read a book uh, by Chuck Swindoll called Improving Your Serve. It actually talks about this very thing about what your impression of servanthood is and how he had to come to the conclusion when he wrote this book. He was way off course. He didn't see it the way it should be seen. Chuck Swindoll notes that we live in a world where many have adopted an independent, self-sufficient, survival of the fittest mentality. Amen? That's true. God has called us, in contrast, to be distinct in a positive way in the world. Can you be distinct in a positive way in this world? Making a difference. The difference is living the just do it way as Jesus did. Amen? Because that's all Jesus did. He could have just written that slogan himself. Just do it. Please go to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. What did Jesus do? Remember the, the, the bracelet craze, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Jesus did a lot. Jesus did a lot of things. That should never go away, by the way. just that, you know, We had these fads that come and go everywhere. What would Jesus do? We should be saying that all the time. What would Jesus do in this situation? What did he do? Well, one of the most important things he did was this. In verse 45, Mark chapter 10. For even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And well, the most important thing he did was die on the cross for us. That was service. Jesus provided a demonstration in addition to that. Of what it is to be a servant by washing the feet of the apostles. Washing the feet of the apostles. Has anyone ever done that where you've actually washed someone else's feet? Any hands? Anyone ever done that? Now, I would say that when you're talking about washing someone's feet, the first thing you think about when you think about washing someone's feet is Wow, do they have corns and calluses and is there, is there a toe jam in there somewhere? And have you got, and I ain't even talking about what they might smell like. Because let's face it, when you put your socks on, your shoes on, sometimes when you take your, your shoes off, you wonder what hit you in your nostrils. Why are y'all looking at me like that? Because you know I'm telling the truth. When, you're, when you take your all right, when you take your shoes off, do your feet smell like roses all the time. They do. They smell like them roses that have been curled up, and that's usually the first thing you think about when it comes to washing someone's feet. Well, back in the day when Jesus was washing people's feet, they had dust. There weren't paved roads. They're walking around in sand and dust and dirt, mud sometimes. Those feet were dirty. By comparison to today where our feet are relatively clean, so to speak. So he provided a demonstration about what servanthood it was by washing their feet. He provided an explanation for them when he was finished. And this goes into John chapter 13. And it starts around verse 12. But he says, when Jesus washed their feet and put on his robe, he reclined again and said to them, do you know what I have done for you? He's asking you the question, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord. This is well said, for I am. I'm sorry if I'm rushing ahead. John chapter 13. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I had done for you. Now look at verses 16 and 17 in John chapter 13. I assure you, a slave is not greater than his master. And a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. If you do them. If you do them. We understand the word. We understand what the word says. But he says we are blessed if we do them. If we act on them. If we truly are being servants before Christ. That's where the blessing comes the blessing comes because you are edifying Christ in your actions. Amen. Amen. You're edifying Christ in your actions. And not only that, but Jesus was showing them the power of servanthood. One thing that you have to understand, too, is being a servant is powerful. powerful. Amen. Remember, we said this is the exception in this world today rather than the rule. Most folks are me, myself, and I. You mind your own business. I'll take care of my business. You take care of your business. That's the world speaking. That should not be a believer speaking. Amen? Don't get quiet on me. That should not be a believer speaking. The power of servanthood is the essence of living a Christ-like existence. To be in service for Christ is to live for Christ. That's what it's all about. Once you become a believer in Jesus Christ, it doesn't stop there. Now you've got stuff to do. Now, if you're lazy, you're in trouble, aren't you? I didn't say that, did I? If you're lazy, then you don't really understand what it is to be a servant for Christ. I said it. I'll say it again. If you're lazy, you don't understand what it is to be a servant for Christ. If you're waiting for somebody to do something for you, if you're sitting on the couch on Sunday afternoon eating chips or bonbons or whatever it is you eat, When you know there's stuff that needs to be done, you don't understand it. Everybody needs a break every now and then. Amen. Everybody needs to get some rest every now and then. But that shouldn't be every day. To be in service for Christ is to live for Christ. He assures those who are living for him that he will always be present And whatever is being done in His name. If you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ, His name is being proclaimed. Amen? His name is being spoken through your actions. Go to John chapter 12. Turn back to chapter 12. And let's take a quick look at verse 26. Notice that Jesus is giving you essentially a promise every time that you do something for Him, in service for Him. He's giving you an assurance of where He is in this whole process. He says, If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. We said this morning in Sunday school that no matter where you go, that Christ is always present. You're not adding distance by moving from one place to the other. He is the same place where you are there. If you travel to Alaska or travel to London, guess what? He's still in the same place there with you and you are here no change no difference so if you're serving him here or in cleveland or in jacksonville or in denver or in texas or wherever you are he's there with you so for those of us who like to go on vacation and and my bride and i we love vacation when we get to take it. And we try to take it every year. But we don't go on vacation from serving the Lord when we're on vacation, if you get my drift. Amen? Amen? Because everywhere we go, we're still serving the Lord, even if we're on vacation. That applies to all of us as well. You can see how Just Do It can be a launching point for a person who is eager to serve Jesus Christ. Now, being a servant requires a willingness to do it, and it takes practice to begin to master it. All it starts is with a willing heart. All it starts with is a heart's desire to do it. And now you take that and just do it, but you've got to practice it to master it. It's not always going to be perfect. It's not always going to go the right way. You may have the best of intentions to do something and it doesn't work out, but that's okay. You're still doing it in his name. You don't understand sometimes the consequences or the reasons why things happen the way they do. You don't need to. You just keep practicing it. You keep working with it. You just keep doing it. But if you don't know where to begin this process, in this instance, the best place to begin is the beginning. The best place to begin is in the beginning. Number one, just do it, and then put in quotes the word now. Just do it now. Do it now. Yesterday is gone. Can't do anything about yesterday. You can't change what happened yesterday. You can't do a doggone thing about it. You can't turn back the hands of time and fix something from before. So then let's just do it now. Don't worry about the life you lived before. Don't worry about the things you were involved in in your past, where you think you don't need to be, you don't think you're worthy of doing something. That's nonsense. We just said earlier that God gave you a life today. Just do it now. Use your life now. Do it now. Being a servant begins with a willingness to do something that's going to bring a positive change In someone's life. It's not all about you. That's what Rick Warren says in the first words of his book. The Purpose Driven Life. It's not all about you. There are other folks out there that need you. They need your help. It boggles my mind. My wife and I talked about this the other day. It boggles my mind how parents and children. As parents get older, some children are running away from taking care of those parents. Can't find them. What better way to serve than to take care of your parents when they need it? Can't find them. Unlisted number, move, change addresses. Don't know where they are. That's unconscionable to me. And you know what? It has nothing to do with how you were raised, what happened to you in the family, if you had the best relationship. You know, you've got total strangers you're willing to help out. You don't know what they've been doing to folks. Why can't your parents be in the same page with that? You take care of them if they need help. That's true servanthood. Just do it now. It doesn't require necessarily that you need to use any special talent or ability. You know, we all have gifts that God gives us through the Spirit. We have certain talents. But some of us, we wonder sometimes, what can we do well? Why are you worried about that? Just do it! it. You don't need any special talent or ability to move furniture. You don't need any special talent or ability to reorganize a room or help someone move from an apartment to a new home. You may be able to stand at the church doorway and hand out, greet people, hand out bulletins. You know, sometimes it starts right there just by having contact with other people. Amen. Sometimes it means buying a meal or even some groceries for a family who is in need. Everything I've mentioned doesn't require any special talent or ability to do that. In a world where people are more often self-focused than not, the ability to step out and simply do something for someone is refreshingly distinctive. Refreshingly distinctive. It's the beginning step in a life of servanthood. Let's face it. How are people going to see Christ if you don't show him to them? How are they going to see Christ if you don't show him? Number two. Just do it. Without expecting anything in return. Oh my goodness. We live in a world where folks expect something back. Can't give somebody a gift, they got to give you a gift back. There is a way to treat people and being a servant is no exception to this. A servant in Christ is to live in such a way that it is natural to do the right thing for someone And to not expect anything in return or create a burden of obligation for the other person. That's not you. Amen? I'm looking at y'all. Don't create any situation when you're doing something for someone where they feel obligated to do something back for you. Don't do that. (laughs) That's not Christ-like. Amen? First, the essence of doing what is right is the foundation of what Jesus Christ represents. Go to Matthew chapter 7. we've always heard the term doing what is right. Do what is right. Do the right thing. That's something that you could make a slogan out of it, but we should be doing that anyway. Really shouldn't be a slogan. We should always be doing the right thing. Amen. Doing the right thing means that you're living for Christ. When you're doing the wrong thing, you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. Amen. So do the right thing should be part of the way you live, act, eat, sleep, breathe anyway. But it's the example that Christ gives here. It says (laughs) we should be doing it anyway because it says in Matthew 7, 12, therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. This is the law and the prophets. Scripture is speaking about this. You should be doing the right thing because if you want folks to do stuff for you, you've heard the saying, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This is the same principle. It's the same thing. The ways of the world normally see acts of compassion with suspicion. Amen? Amen. Suspicion. That's why I said this is an odd thing. People doing stuff for other folks, where where are we living? What world is this we're living in? They think it's weird. And they're suspicious. For some people, it's difficult to accept a person's help Because it is a societal societal norm that the help is to be reciprocated. That's a societal norm. That's what people expect. As a servant of Jesus Christ, your acts of service are performed with the heart of Jesus and without any need or expectation for any person to do anything for you in return. That's refreshing. That's different today. Let's face it, that's how people see Jesus Christ. When you do something and you don't expect something in return and you refuse anything in return, that's how they begin to see Jesus Christ. Because if you're doing a societal norm where you're just doing something for somebody and they're doing something for you and then you're doing something, they're not seeing Christ in that. There's no evidence of Christ in that. The moment that the burden of returning the favor is left in place... That is when Christ's presence is less visible and when he is less likely to be glorified as you serve. We serve Christ freely and without any burden for ourselves and for others. Amen? We serve Christ freely. People need to see the light and airy love of Christ in everything you do in service for Him. Please go real quick to Matthew 11. We're going to look at some verses uh, that are going to, frankly, when you're helping people out who are really downtrodden, not doing well, you're going to run into people like that. You have probably run into people like that every day. Who are, dirt, are not doing as well as you are. And when you think you're not doing well, guess what? Someone else is doing worse. Amen? When you think you ain't got it going on, I promise you, go around the corner. Someone else ain't doing as well as you. Lots of people. Jesus gives an invitation to people who are in this state. And when people see the love of Christ in things that you do, hopefully they can see this very thing. It says in verses 28 through 30 in Matthew chapter 11, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. We live in a world in so much turmoil. The first thing folks are looking for is a place to rest. All of you take up my yoke and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for yourselves for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Christ is promising this to us as individuals if we come to him and he, they, he projects, we project that very same thing to people when we are helping them, not expecting anything in return. It's a burden that's being lifted. That's the societal norm of wanting to help somebody else out. Well, now I got to do something for you because you did something for me. You know, that cancels that out. The love of Christ is being presented. That's all they need to see. Our service for Christ as we develop our heart for service should also be an expression of what it is to live a life of freedom for him. For those who are free in Him are free indeed. Amen? We are free in Christ. That's from John eight thirty six. That's a great verse. Freedom in Him is true freedom. People need to see that. People need to see that freedom. See that we live in freedom. That's really important. Number three. Just do it and put some heart into it. Amen. Just do it and put some heart into it. A servant for Christ not only demonstrates the example of Christ-like behavior to others, but also learns the perspective of servanthood with the heart and mind of Jesus. That's the heart I'm talking about. People need to see you with a heart and mind of Jesus. Now, let me tell you something. This is where the flesh, even though you might have great intentions, will get in the way. If you are not at your best, if you're not 100%, if you feel burdened to go and serve somebody, don't do it. Now, why do I say that? Don't do it. If you're going up someplace with an attitude problem, and I'm already, I'm doing an attitude you're going to go and serve in a kitchen somewhere, serve somebody some food. You want that gravy on your, on your, on your uh, mashed potatoes? If you've got an attitude problem, just take a pass for that day. Let somebody do it who is putting the true heart of Christ in what's being done. Amen? And look, we're not 100% every day. There are some days it's like, oh boy. And that's all right. You have days where you're like perky and peppy. I hope you have more perky and peppy days than you have those days. (laughs) Because no one should see that all the time. Nobody wants, what a downer you are all the time. Nobody needs to see that. The love of Christ has to be in what you're doing. You need to see the heart and mind of Jesus in your servanthood. As you learn more about Jesus through his word, and live in obedience to him, he will most certainly transform you. He's going to transform you. As you live his example before others. Here's that phrase again. Being refreshingly distinctive from the world means being set apart from the world in a very positive way. People need to see that in you. A positive way. When you're around people who are complaining all the time, there's nothing good going on. My bosses stink. I don't want to work for them. You know, so-and-so is talking about me behind my back. That's all a lot of people hear all the time. Do you think you can make a distinction amongst a group like that just by being a servant for Christ? I'm asking you. Absolutely you can. Be refreshingly distinctive. Be a positive influence for Christ. People will see your heart for Christ in what you do. To be set apart involves changing from your old self to not only become a new creature, but a creature that becomes more and more Christ-like every day. Now, where am I going with this? You all have heard Romans. Go to Romans 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. You know, we need to understand that when we converted and became believers in Jesus Christ, that was just the beginning. We are changing. We are evolving as strong believers in Christ each day if we're truly following him. If you're not growing in this way, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Nobody in this room who has known Christ for 10, 15, even five years, even a year. You should be beyond fire insurance. Amen. In Romans 12, verses one and two, it says, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies. As a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this age, because this age will conform you if you allow it to. Amen? If you you allow it to, this world will conform you into something that you didn't start out to be. And it ain't good. That's why the verse is here. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. A very specific focus that believers must have. Focusing on Jesus Christ. Renewing your mind. Reminding you of the faith. Reminding you of what He's done for you. Renewing you and strengthening you and encouraging you to get out there and just do it! Because we need to be renewed. We need to be reminded. Chuck Swindoll notes that a servant for Christ must, must change to avoid the world's reasoning and conform to the thoughts of Jesus. Here's his quote. How? By a radical transformation within. You have to transform Radically. By a renewed thought pattern that demonstrates authentic godlikeness. Living differently begins with thinking differently. You have to think differently than the world thinks. You have to have the mindset that what you're doing is most important. The world will try to tell you, no, it's not. But Christ has to renew your mind and say, this is all worth it. What we're doing is worth it. It has a value. It has a worth. Living differently begins with thinking differently. We have to think differently than the world thinks. Living for Christ in this renewed mind will allow you to see the compassion of Christ in everything that you do for others. Your servanthood with a heart for Jesus will be seen by people who don't know him personally. That's one thing we have to remember, too. Everybody we, don't, everybody we come in contact with does not know the Lord. There in fact, very few do. Very few do. You can't always just hang around folks at church all the time. Amen? I mean, I love the brothers and sisters here in the church, but you can't go everywhere with them or do everything with them. There's going to be be a time you have to kind of break off a little bit and go somewhere else. Amen? We can't have potlucks everywhere around here. (laughs) Most of us like to have chicken all the time. Some of us are chicken lovers back there. You can't always eat chicken. Sometimes you have to have something a little bit different on the menu. I'm being careful. I'm telling the truth. You can't always get no chicken. Hey, let's face it. They don't serve chicken over in Africa all the time. They serve all kinds of different stuff. And you ain't going to get no chicken over there. Unless you freeze dry it. You're always not going to run across people who know the Lord. You're going to run across people who don't know the Lord. People need to see Christ in you as a result. People who don't know him, they want to see you as a wonderful introduction to who Christ is, and maybe an invitation to who he is. A servant for Christ truly is light in a very dark world. Amen? Light in a very dark world. and it's getting darker and darker. It's midnight. It's midnight. Go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We've got to be a light in a very dark world. Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. I'm reading from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. You are the light of the world. Amen? Well, you've got to act like it. You've got to act like you're the light of the world. Jesus is telling you you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, And it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. They can't help but see Jesus Christ when you do that. Can't help it. Let your light shine before others. Just do it. Just do it. One more quote that I'm going to pull from Chuck Swindoll. He noted that the opportunities to reach the lost through servanthood are limitless. There's no limit. And in your service, you personally receive joy in your accomplishments because you have fellowship with who else? Jesus Christ. You can't help but feel the joy and satisfaction because you know you're doing the right thing and not just the right thing but the right thing before other men seeing the light of Christ in your life. You can't help but feel joyful for that. But guess what? You won't feel joyful unless you do it. If you don't do it, you won't feel that. Just do it. Here's a quote from Mr. Swindoll. In every town, every neighborhood, And on every block, well, that's just about everywhere, there are lonely and sometimes unlovely men and women who need to experience the love of Jesus. Amen? In every city, there are children who have never known a gentle touch or a loving smile. Every city. There are acts of love and mercy that God has already prepared for you so that you might share in His joy, so that you might grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. A life of servanthood for Christ is a life that embodies ministry in fulfillment of His great commission. From Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Your obedience and faithfulness to Him will be a witness for Him in everything that you do. Now, all that you need to do is just do it. Just do it. You'll feel the joy. Just do it. Do what you are called to do. That's right. Amen? Amen? Just do it. Father, we thank you for your message to us. To look at what we are involved in as a people. To look at what we are doing each day. To examine ourselves deeply. And Lord, you challenge us with your word. To make sure that we are maximizing our efforts to fulfill this great commission. And Lord, you pretty much tell us just to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But your gospel is not just the words. Your gospel is what how we live for you. Showing us good news in Christ. Showing it to other people. Doing things for other people without expecting anything in return. Living life to the fullest so that Christ is seen. We thank you for that message. We thank you for the message that you tell us to just do it. Help us, Lord, to see where we can fulfill that. Help us to see those people on every street corner, in every neighborhood, in every place where we're living people who are hurting, who need us. Lord, there is no reason for us to be fearful because you have promised that you are with us in all of these things. We thank you for giving us the ability to see the power of servanthood, how powerful it can be to other people, how our servanthood for you is a glorious testimony of your presence and how you love other people. Help us to live this way. Help us to see it more. And Lord, we just pray that we continue to focus on those things by renewing our mind each day to be able to see where you would have us to be next. Where we can be obedient to your will. Where we trust in you that the direction that we're going is the right way. We thank you for all of these things and we ask them In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Jesus tells us to just just do it. Just do it. But if you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, some of that won't make a whole lot of sense. He wants you to have a relationship with him. But in having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, it requires something that sometimes some of us have trouble with. And that's repentance. Recognizing that you need a savior is the key. For those individuals who know the Lord Jesus Christ, you already know what I'm referring to. You've already made that declaration. For those who don't, you need to ask yourself, what do I need to do to be able to serve the Lord Jesus Christ? And it begins with recognizing who you are without Christ. We are all sinners. And those of us who have acknowledged Christ are saved by grace and grace alone. But if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to acknowledge your sin. Turn from your sin and recognize that Christ is the only one who can wash that sin clear of you. Father, I pray for those individuals who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. They could be here in this room. They could be family members, friends, people that we know who are not walking and following with you. We pray for their souls, Lord. We pray that the Holy Spirit will touch them. Give them the desire to seek you. And Lord, you promise that all we need to do is just acknowledge who you are. Look upon you. And those people will be saved. Amen. We thank you for that promise. We pray for those individuals that they will make that declaration. Today is the day to do it because tomorrow's not promised. We pray for those people right now. We thank you for the good results. We thank you for the rejoicing in heaven that will occur for every person who acknowledges you as Lord and Savior. And we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen.